I stand for the reading of God's word from Isaiah chapter number 50 and verse number 10. And this is what the Lord is saying. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Well, those are two challenging questions, aren't they? Especially in the culture we're living in. Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. So, Father, we know that life will produce some storms from time to time and seasons that we wonder about. And how in the world did this happen? But we're thankful your son produces peace. The prayer we just prayed and give you peace, it comes from you. So today we encourage your people to trust you, believe you, to get them through this time and season in life that seems to be troubled. Your promises, you will keep us in trouble and deliver us. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What a wonderful question. Who among you fears the Lord? And God is speaking to his people here, to those who fear him and obey him and love him. But what's the subject? What's the the topic? God's speaking about walking through the places or seasons of darkness. And I would understand if God were speaking about those in this passage who didn't fear him, did not reverence him, not love him. I could comprehend that group would probably be wandering around in darkness and seasons of darkness continuously. But in the passage it says, who among you fears the Lord, loves the Lord, obeys the Lord? At the same time, those same people who love and fear and obey the Lord are walking through darkness and a storm. So here you are walking with God, fearing God, serving God. You're in the middle of a hurricane. How can you love God, fear God, serve God? honor God, obey God, and find yourself in the middle of a storm. Well, the disciples were there at one time or two, and they understood walking with Jesus and even on a boat with Jesus, you can be in a storm. And one who surrendered his life to the Lord has made a commitment, yet battles keep breaking out in their lives. A struggle ensues. I mean, it's all out war. You're in the middle of a fight. A storm has arrived. And you wonder, how and why did this happen? Well, there are three types of darkness spoken about in the Scripture. There is the darkness of sin. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. God gave you illumination so you could see what's right and what's wrong from his perspective. But men love darkness rather than light because what? Their deeds were evil. So deep down in the core of their being... They, they did not want to know that light because it, sh- it opens up everything that's going on in their motives and their deeds. They want to hide that and protect that. So there's the darkness of sin. There's the darkness of ignorance. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Think about this. In heaven, there's no night. There is no darkness in him. There's no darkness around him. There's no night. The sun will never set. Thank the Lord. I always knew sleep was a waste of time. There's wisdom in the light, but there's ignorance in darkness. Amen? Then it says in Isaiah, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. When you come out of the dark, 
you are stepping into the light of God and all of a sudden everything is illuminated. Your steps, where you're going, uh, how you're tracking. And then thirdly, there is the darkness of demonic oppression. And Jesus spoke about this in his word concerning the time he was in when he was about to lay down his life just before Easter, Passover. He said, but this is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns, when darkness was taking over seemingly the direction of our planet and the direction of the human race. But it wasn't because he was in full control. But in my passage, God's not speaking to people in the darkness of sin. He's not speaking to people in the darkness of ignorance or those under the darkness of demonic oppression. God's speaking about those people who love, honor, fear the Lord, yet they're in the middle of a storm. When you can't find God, you have to believe in him even when you can't find him. There are times in your walk when you're walking in a storm. It's like a hurricane. And Job described the feeling, the feeling of being in this, where are we going with this kind of an event? Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. I, I, I don't know where you went, Lord. I can't find you. I'm out, of, I'm out of focus and out of direction. You're searching. You love God. You're serving God but you just can't find him in the middle of this upheaval. Faithful people walk through dark storms. Part of your journey to heaven has to be in the night. And sometimes the sun is not shining. There are days and hours and seasons when life gets a little dark. And God never designed you your journey with Jesus to only thrive under cloudless skies. God designed your journey with him so that when you enter into the darkest of hours, your faith would rise to the moment victoriously because there's something in you that reaches toward the Lord. Satan said to God concerning Job, you placed a hedge around him. He's contained in a perfect environment, but you let me take him into a storm and he'll curse you. You let me take him into a place there's an upheaval, and you'll see he only serves you when times are good. And so God and Satan are having this back and forth discussion, and God says, put your chips on the table. I'm putting mine on Job. Have you considered my servant Job? Do you understand I have confidence in him? I have faith in him. And Job made these statements as the devil was allowed to test him. And God lowered the hedge, and God allowed the tests to attack Job. And Job's response early on, but he, God knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Well, the storm intensified. What happened to Job? So his faith intensified. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job said, I don't know where God is in this storm, but God knows where I am. He knows the way that I take. And even when you're walking in a storm, God knows the path you're traveling on. Life is not fair, but God is just. And there are times all you can do is stand and know he is God, and I'm just trusting in him. Because there are times we don't understand why certain storms have arisen, and the recipe for you being miserable, go to the corner and think about yourself all the time.
Most people don't want to be around you when you're like that, right? Paul reversed that and he said, I think myself happy. He was facing one of the strongest, most powerful leaders in all the Roman Empire. And he looked at him and said, I think myself happy. You can put me to death right now. I'm happy. You can think yourself depressed. You can think yourself hopeless. You can think yourself into a pity party, or you can think yourself happy. How do you think yourself happy? You get into relationship with God through his word, by the presence of the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, you, Lord, become more real to me than what I'm facing in my temporal storm. That's not naive, nor is it crazy. That's called faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things I don't see with my natural eyes. And when you're walking through your storm, remember, others have gone through storms, and others are going through what you're going through. When Abraham was told by God to take Isaac and climb the mountain and place him there for sacrifice, he raised the knife over Isaac. He was in a storm of darkness. He didn't know where this was going to go. He might have to take the life of his own son. And he wondered about God's promises. And he wondered, who is this God that is commanding me? And God never fully explains it all to Abraham why he commanded him to do that. Yeah, he told him it was a test of his love for the Lord and whether or not God would be first in his life. But now we see the broader implications as we look back on that historical event. You see, Isaac carried the wood up the hill. Just like Jesus, a couple of thousand years after the fact, carried the wood of the cross up the same hill. The connection between Abraham and Isaac and God and his only son are beautiful picture throughout the scripture, Old and New Covenants. We see it clearly now, but God didn't fully explain it to Abraham. But here's what, here was the faith of Abraham. He looked at the servants he left at the base of the mountain, and he said, we're going up here to offer sacrifice to the Lord, and we will be back. His faith was this. Even if I have to go through with what God asked me to do, God's able to raise him from the dead and keep his promise to me of a great nation. God may not give you an explanation in your storm. The book of Job was written for a single purpose, to let you know a promise is greater than an explanation. A promise is always greater when you have it from God. And that's what Job relied on. That's what Abraham relied on. God may never give you an explanation why you had to go through this storm that you've endured. But hear how God spoke to Moses. The Lord spoke to all your assembly in the mountain, in the midst of the fire and the cloud, and out of thick darkness. Well, pastor, I'm in a place where I can't see a foot in front of me. I don't even know where I'm going. It's thick darkness. That's where Moses received his revelation from the Lord, the commandments of God. When God spoke to him, out of thick darkness. You might be in the right place where God is going to reveal something to you you'd never have revealed unless you were in that moment. New direction. God gives commands, not explanations. God never promised he would explain everything to you in this life. So David puts it like this. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Now, there's an emotional response to a very difficult place he was in. 
So the question becomes, do you go by what you feel or do you stand on what God said? And the proof that you are growing and maturing in the Lord is you don't let your emotions take you places you regret later. You open God's word and say, what is it you're saying? That's what I'm going to stand on. Have you ever walked through a dark storm as a follower of Jesus? That's a test. Have you ever felt like God, felt like, felt like God forsook you and you didn't get any of your questions answered? Here's what God said. I will never leave you or forsake you. But I don't feel him. It's not about your feelings. It's what do you believe? Not how do you feel? How do you believe? Now nature tells us there's a need for darkness. There's this planet and its ecology is designed this way. Nothing lives in unbroken sunlight. The whole world would be desolate if we had no darkness. The same is true for you spiritually. If all you had were high days, happy days, sunshiny days, you would never grow any muscle in your faith. You'd have nothing spiritually to fall back on. But to be what God wants you to be, there are times when he allows his servants to go through a season of storm. Those who fear him, love him, you've done nothing to cause it. And he'll say to you, you've done absolutely nothing to bring the storm on yourself. You are simply a follower of Jesus walking through a storm. It's going to test you, as it did the disciples on board that ship that day. Do you only love him when the sun is shining? Do you only love him when the blessings roll in? Do you only love him when everything is going right in your family? Then you're going by your feelings, and you have these happy times in your life, because happiness is not the same as joy. Instead of having the maturity of having joy in the Lord, in spite of whatever it is I'm, I'm being stormed over. You've watched me as your pastor. I've preached through pain, physically and otherwise. I've preached through tears. You have seen us together walk through dark storms. But I can tell you on the other side of the storm, God is faithful. Amen? He brought us through. I'm glad with his help I made it. And he stood with me in the storm. There's a song that was sung many, many times in the years gone by. It's a great, great old hymn. I trust in God wherever I may be. Upon the land or on the rolling sea, for come what may, from day to day, my heavenly Father watches over me. In years gone by, we, we had Steve Brock come, and many times he would sing this song set up on a stage with a huge crusade crowd of thousands of people. And having been through his own personal pain, storm of having a drunk driver take his son and kill him on the highway because he was out of control drunk. And Steve lost his boy on that fateful night. And that storm swirled around him. And his feelings were all over the map. But here's what he could stand and sing. I trust in God. I know he cares for me. On mountain bleak or on the stormy sea, though billows roll, he keeps my soul. My heavenly Father watches over me. So I'm going to tell someone here today, in the middle of a storm, God knows the plans he has for you. Sometimes he will allow his servants, his children, to walk through the storm. 
And Paul wrote it like this. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. He never promised we would understand it. He said, we know. We know. We know God. Not that we understand God. I know God even though I don't always understand him. John the Baptist, he grew depressed one day while he was in prison. He'd been there now for weeks, probably extremely stressed. It was a pitiful place to be stuck. He said to his own disciples, would you please go ask Jesus, are you the one or do I need to be looking for somebody else? Because he had fully expected Jesus to come and get him out of prison break and get him out of there, right? You ever felt that way when God allows you to be in a crisis? How come you haven't come and rescued me yet? I love what Jesus said back to John. He sent word back to him. He said, tell John the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised to life again. Then he makes a profound statement and tell John, blessed is he, who is not offended in me, who trusts me enough to know that I know exactly what I'm doing. Jesus was declaring that when God doesn't show up when you think he should, nor he has gotten you out of prison of the storm when you think he should. He's warning us in this. There's a great possibility if we open up our spirit, we could become offended at God. John was on the verge of that. John, blessed is he who can trust me. Because Jesus allowed John to experience a very dark storm. Now, who was John? John was the forerunner of Christ. He was brought into the world supernaturally. He was planted here so he could preach the message that Jesus is about to appear. And when Jesus did appear, he proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the the sins of the world. So John knew who he was. But you see, what happens in a storm, your emotions can go all over the map. He's in a dungeon. He's about to face death. And when he prayed, it didn't get better. It got worse. This is not happy, clappy theology. This is not what people want to hear in our culture from pulpits. They want to go and be told everything's beautiful and everything's good and nothing ever bad ever happens to God's people. But this is real life. This is how it works. And when you have real faith, not just faith for blessings to roll in, there are seasons when blessings will come rolling in. Thank God for those. But it's also faith that says, come hell or high water, when the storms come, let them blow. I am rooted and grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I will still praise you. I will praise you in season. I will praise you out of season. I will serve you and live for you all of my days. Job asked God in his test 181 questions. Because you you have questions for God when this stuff's happening to you. And you go, why did this happen? And God asked Job 183 questions. And God never did answer any of Job's questions. Hmm. But he did counter some of his questions when Job questioned God's integrity and God's ability and God's strength and say, well, God, if you're this and you're that, why, why am I going through? And he, he looked at him and said, you finished? 
where were you when I made everything? Where were you, Job? You, you're trying to compare your life to your creator's. And the two are incomparable. You can't put me on your level, Job. Okay. And so when we look at this, we recognize the questions he asked of God never got answered. But after Job lost his children, horrible, lost his material possessions, loses his health, and the enemy's attacking him from every flank. And his wife told him, just curse God and die. Then all of his wonderful friends showed up. These are wonderful people. And they all circled around Job for seven days and just stared at him. And after they stared at him for seven days, finally they spoke. And here was the message they gave Job. This is happening to you, Job, because you failed God. And Job, you've been living a double standard. You've done something wrong, and God is judging you. That's why you're in this storm. Have you ever noticed that narrow minds are usually accompanied by wide mouths? Ever noticed that? They kind of go hand in hand. They really do. Anyone who would walk into someone's trial and look at them and say, you just don't have faith, and this is why this is happening to you, because you're just not trusting God. You must have done something to bring this on yourself. That is a spiritually ignorant person. And they are in darkness. And that's why we're very careful to encourage people, when you're in the storm, don't let anybody in your house. Only people who have faith that will stand with you trusting God. Not people who are trying to tell you how bad you are, and that's why you're in the middle of this circumstance. What will be interesting, because they'll mess with your head, and they'll stir your emotions the wrong way. What will be interesting is to watch them walk through the same kind of a storm down the road in their own lives. Be careful how you perceive people in the middle of a storm. Build your relationship with God on his character, not on your emotions. How do I believe? That's what got Job through the storm. Not God answering all 181 questions he asked him. It was simply, I know this God, and I'm going to stand on that no matter what. I know the character of my God. And the measure of our trials is the measure of God's confidence in us. As God sees that you are growing and maturing, then God will allow those trials to test that muscle. When you understand this, faith in God is better than an answer. I know my God. Habakkuk starts questioning God, great prophet. And he says to God, look around at the heathen. They're living without any storms. They're blessed. They're happy. They're prospering. They don't even talk to you, let alone serve you. And all your good people who are honoring you are in a struggle. So he says to God, I'm going to lock myself in the tower, and I'm going to stay here, and I'm not going to come out until you answer me. <laughs> you got to love this. He could have died there, by the way, because God's not obligated to answer anybody. Okay? All God ever did say to Habakkuk was this. He said, listen, son, behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. That's all you need to know. So you can lock yourself in the closet, and you can say you're not coming out until God gives me the answer for this trial. 
But all God may say to you is, the just shall live by his faith. Do you trust me? Do you believe me? Do you know who I am? Darkness will test your courage. And don't doubt in the night what God has told you in the light. When Daniel and the three Hebrew boys are under the thumb of Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian Empire, they are POWs being held there because they were taken away out of Israel into, into Babylon. And now Nebuchadnezzar has erected a 90-foot-tall golden statue. Boy, it would be great. We could build our church with that very easily. 90 feet tall, solid gold statue of himself and tells everybody when you hear the sound of the music, you have to bow down and worship at the statue. And the three Hebrew boys go, no. Nebuchadnezzar said, we're going to heat the fire seven times hotter and throw you in unless you're willing to bow. No, we're not bowing. We don't bow to any God but ours. And they said to him, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, we do not serve your gods. And of course, you know the story. God delivered them. And great and powerful old Nebuchadnezzar had to say, there is no God like the Lord God Jehovah. There is no God like the, the, the Hebrew boy's God that preserved them in the fiery furnace. Many years ago, there was a story of the one, one of the first ones ever to cross Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And several had made attempts. Some didn't succeed, but, and a few had, but this man decided to take it to a whole new level. And he walked 180 feet across a tightrope over the rushing Niagara River as it barreled over the falls. And he got so low over the river with that wheelbarrow. And the raging water, he was very close to it. It was, was splashing up, and he could feel some of it on his body. And he dips all the way down on that tightrope. And he's got this little container in the wheelbarrow, and he pulls it out, and he dips that thing into the water and scoops out some water. And people are screaming on the other side. I mean, they're going crazy because this guy is all the way down, and he's got this wheelbarrow balanced, and he's got this cup of water in the other hand. And finally, he makes it to the other side of the river, and he looks around, and, and, and the people are cheering, and they're screaming, and they're hollering at him. And say, This is the most fantastic thing we have ever witnessed. And he yells back at them, and he says, Do you believe that I can push this wheelbarrow back to the other side of Niagara? And they all in unison scream back at him, Yes! Then he turned to one of the reporters and said, Climb into the wheelbarrow. <laughs> and fake news ran. They were gone. There are times people will say, I believe God can do anything. God can do miracles. Do you really believe what God says? Yep. Yes, pastor. Get in the wheelbarrow. Let's go. We're going to take a walk through the storm. One thing to say, I believe God can. It's another thing to get to the point where you have revelation from his word by his spirit that God will. I know God can. Now I know God will. Lord, I believe. And God says, get in. Trust me even when you don't understand. Trust me when it seems like nothing is working. Storms will test your faith and trust in God. You will have strange thoughts 
while you're walking through these storms. Did God really tell me that? Did I truly hear a word from the Lord? Did he tell me he was going to take me through this and get me home safely? Did I just mess up my thinking when I was thinking I was hearing from God, but maybe I wasn't? Did God really speak to me? And if you don't have questions like that, you haven't really grown very far in your faith. Storms will test what you believe God told you and force you to dig it out of his word to confirm what you believe God said to you. Is there a God? Are you there? Are you listening? And God has instructions for you when you walk through these kinds of places. Do you know what you should do when you walk through darkness and through a storm? The first thing you should do, you may want to write some of this down. The first thing you should do when you find yourself entering into a hurricane, into a perfect storm, is nothing. Have you ever had the power go out in the middle of the night? If you have PG&E, you probably have had that happen. The first thing you do, you jump out of bed looking for a flashlight, and it's pitch black, and you stumble over something, stub your toe, crack your ankle somewhere. I remember it was in the wintertime. We were getting ready for some kind of an event, I think Christmas, and everything's dark early outside, and it was pitch black in my office, and I did not flip the light switch when I went to my office, and I forgot that I pulled one of my chairs out into the middle of the room to get to something else, and so I'm rushing to go across the room to get to something that I know was supposed to be there, and and I got tackled by this chair. And I heard crash and bang and wood splinter. And I thought, oh, man. And I'm on the floor. And the chair is in pieces, right? And I'm going, wow, that's what happens when you start rushing, responding and reacting and running in the middle of a storm. You're gonna, it's going to get worse when you run. Be still. Don't panic. Don't allow yourself to get panicky. When the bad report comes, when the bad scan comes, when the layoff comes, when bad news arrives, the first thing you do when you walk into a dark storm is stop, be still, and remember the 11th commandment in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. In the context of that psalm, there's a storm brewing, mountains are falling, oceans are raging. And God says, in the middle of this, be still and know I am God. In other words, thou shalt not sweat it. (laughs) Sit down and say, God, you're still sovereign. You're still in control. You know my name. You know where I am. And you know who I am. Wait for God's direction because God will give you direction. And you will learn this. You can't escape the storms of darkness, but you will live through the storms of darkness. So say to your neighbor, you will live through it. Amen. Next, when you've been still and you know that he's God, then you keep moving. After you have this assurance of what the next step is, then you keep moving. Now, what does that mean? Let me me show you my text. Who walks in darkness? He who walks in darkness, the Hebrew meaning is you keep on walking. You keep moving. Well, you just told me to stand still. That, that's, and that's, not, that's in your decision-making. Stand still. But you don't stop praising, neither do you stop worshiping, and you don't stop witnessing, and you don't start tell, stop telling of the goodness of God. You don't stop lifting your hands in thanksgiving. Darkness wants you paralyzed. But he who walks in darkness means you are in it, but you keep functioning. Well, pastor, 
I'm going through hell. Don't stop there. (laughs) Keep moving. That's no place to stop. That's no place to give up. You keep moving. No matter how hard you get up and say, I'm going to keep moving forward. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. You serve the Lord with gladness. I'm alive today. I can praise God today. I can still hear. I can still see. I'm in my right mind. There's something you can thank the Lord for every day. And you keep doing that over and over. There's some people, you know, they go to the graveyard and they start picking out their tombstones. I don't quite get that. I have life, right? As long as I have life, I'm not going to tell myself subconsciously, okay, things are not going really well right now, so go pick out your tombstone. Tell that to yourself and you can start counting your days. It's like people who want, I can't wait to retire. I can't wait till I retire, people. You know, sad. That word is never found anywhere in Holy Scriptures. There is no word for retirement in the Bible ever, anywhere. It's a, it's a kind of a man-made human thing that we put together. What do you mean? I have to keep working. You have to be productive until the day you breathe your last. Yeah, that's what God expects of his creation. Well, I'm too tired to do what I did for 40-some years. Well, then find something else to do before you just stop and do nothing. Because you know what happens when you stop and do nothing? You become your own greatest health risk. Scientists now have discovered that people who retire with no other purpose in life lose their lives earlier than any other for any other reason. Because what you've told yourself, you don't have a reason to get up and go anywhere in the morning and do anything that's productive for the rest of your days. So your body subconsciously says, so I don't have to stay healthy anymore. You're done. Turn out the lights. That's not the way God wired us. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. When you're walking through dark storms, you keep on walking. You keep praying. You don't give up. You keep coming to church. You keep honoring God. You keep tithing. You keep witnessing. You keep worshiping. You keep doing what God called you to do. You don't dare stop. When the doctors told you, Glenn, that you know you had stage four lung cancer and they had no survivors with stage four lung cancer at UC Davis ever, and they told you, you know, you stay away from people and don't go anywhere in public, and you told them, I'm still going to go to church. I don't care what you say. Oh, you can't do that. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm not going to miss church because that's the source of my strength. That's where I'm going to get help. I'm going to go where I'm going to get the best help. So instead of missing church and staying home, he came to God's house, believing God. Amen. He kept doing the right things. That's called, I keep on walking through the storm. Then you, lastly, you rely on the Lord. That's what it says like Abraham and Moses and David and Paul. You rely on the Lord. I'm not relying on my own strength or my wisdom, or what I think and feel and my emotions I want to do, I'm going to rely on what God says. Lean upon him like the great prophets would lean on the staff that God put in their hands to lead their people. So you say walk and keep on walking 
through the storm, trusting in him, relying on him, because God has a plan for every one of us. And sometimes he allows his children to walk through storms of darkness. But if he's allowing you to walk through that storm, remember this, God brought you to church today because God knows exactly where you are. So you don't quit and you don't give up and neither do you throw in the towel and don't you ever say it's over. First, be still and know that he is God. Then fight. Keep on walking. Keep worshiping. Do the things that are important to do biblically and then trust him. Because every storm has an expiration date. Every trial has an expiration They don't last forever. And then last, you rely on him. Because God is faithful. Great is his faithfulness. And so the prophet pens these words by the Holy Spirit. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. See, it's not a feeling. It's a reality. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. What is it? What is he recalling? Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I've got hope. Because every single morning I get up, I am serving a faithful God. His mercy is extended to me. And his compassions never fail. If you recognize this morning that you serve a faithful God, a God whose compassions never fail to be there for you, and a God who's touched with the feeling of your infirmity, a God who is with you, a God who knows your situation, who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why don't you recognize that today by standing and lifting your hands and saying, I worship you. I don't understand what's happening, but I still worship you. You're in control. You know my circumstance. You see me where I am. Great is your faithfulness. I still trust you, Lord. Bless him for a moment. Bless him. Thank him. Praise him. David penned it like this. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Thank you, Lord. Deliverance is on the way. This service is for somebody here today. You need to know his presence. You're stressed. You're weary. You've thought about giving up. Somebody even heard the devil whisper, you'd be better off dead. And I'm declaring to you today, that is a lie. God will never say that to you. So you just lift your hand in the valley of the shadow of death. He restores my soul. their hand. I rebuke the terrorist, the devil, 
who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I release upon these who have lifted their hands the presence of the one who said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Thank you, Lord.